the 110th podcast. This one's called Honey Boo Boo. My son has been coughing for several weeks and the cough will persist for another two or three in all likelihood. Coughs last a long time. Patients think that coughs will go away in less than a week, but in reality they are likely to last for several. Coughs are a pain for the patient and an annoyance for the people around them. You never really know if the cougher in the row behind you has asthma, a post-infectious cough, or is actively spewing tuberculosis and influenza all over the airplane. I learned from Clinton the importance of not inhaling, especially on airplanes. I tend to leave most symptoms alone if they are not life-threatening or otherwise unbearable for the patient. Codeine is the only good cough suppressant, and none of the -the over-the-counter cough medications are effective. I assume that coughing with infection, like diarrhea, is beneficial. Key to treating all infections is to physically remove it. In the biz, we call it source control. Undrained pus doesn't get better, and a good cough is the most efficient way I know to remove potential pathogens from the lungs. If there are benefits to suppressing the cough associated with acute respiratory infections, I can't find any references on the PubMeds or the Googles. And we have all seen people in medicine who, because of the inability to cough secondary to rib fractures, who go on to develop severe pneumonia. I had a patient as a resident who had just such a series of unfortunate events. He fell, broke his ribs, couldn't cough, got pneumonia, progressed, and died. I suffer from a mild form of the naturalistic fallacy. I tend to let normal physiologic processes run their courses unimpeded as long as they pose no harm to the patient. So I do not recommend the treatment of infectious coughs, in part because the medications are not effective, in part because they are of no benefit, and in part because the medications that are effective, such as codeine, have side effects. Not only has my son been coughing, but thanks to flu-like illness season, it seems that everybody around me is coughing as well. And somebody asked me about honey as a cough treatment, pointing to a recent article in Pediatrics. Now, I like honey. Of the roughly 40,000 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches I estimate I have consumed in my life, I bet at least half have been made with honey. For a variety of reasons I have discussed elsewhere, I recommend honey for wounds. But is cough therapy? Why would honey have an effect on cough? Whatever the active ingredient, it would have to survive gastric acid and pancreatic enzymes, be absorbed, and then have sufficient half-life to have an effect. But then, when you think about it, have you ever seen a bee cough? Hmm. Given that... Honey is greater than 95% water and sugar. There is little room for any active ingredient. I went looking for a coherent, plausible mechanism for how honey might suppress cough, but failed. Much is written about the complexity of honey, its antioxidant and antibacterial effects, which I don't deny. Quote, Honey is a remarkably complex natural liquid, as is my spit, that is reported to contain at least 181 substances. It does a well-established antioxidant and antimicrobial effects. 
true and interesting, but little to do with suppressing a cough. The link between antioxidants and cough is tenuous at best. Most of my Google foo found references to asthma. It was also suggested that the sweetness of the honey is key. Quote, because of the close anatomic relationship between the sensory fibers that initiate cough and the gustatory nerve fibers that taste sweetness, an interaction between these fibers may produce an antitussive effect of sweet substances by a central nervous system mechanism, end of quote. So you'd expect that to work with Snickers, bars, and a can of Coca-Cola as well. Neither seem particularly likely to me as a mechanism for cough suppressant. And as pointed out in some reviews, there is a strong placebo effect when treating cough. Quote, Placebo treatment has been reported to improve subjective and objective measures of disease in up to 30 to 40 percent of patients in a wide range of clinical conditions. A review of eight clinical trials on the effects of antitussive medicines on cough associated with acute upper respiratory tract infections shows that 85% of the reduction in cough is related to treatment with placebo and only 15% attributable to the active ingredient, end of quote. Although any author who routinely uses the word powerful in conjunction with placebo, as Dr. Eccles does, probably has a strong bias in favor of placebo effects, which I lack. Coughs improve with time. Because of the favorable natural history of cough, a positive response in medication trials should not be assumed to be due to the medication. The ever-questionable Cochrane Reviews has evaluated honey as an anti-cough therapy, and they concluded that there was no significant difference between honey and dextromethorphan, or honey versus diphenhydramine, in cough. And neither of the agents to which they compared honey to, dextromethorphan and diphenhydramine, also had any efficacy against cough. Since all the -the over-the-counter medications for cough are essentially worthless, if honey is equal to dextromethorphan and dextromethorphan does nothing, then honey does nothing. Or does it? Enter the study. That's a Bruce Lee movie, wasn't it? Effective honey on nocturnal cough and sleep quality, a double-blind, randomized, placebo-controlled trial, which received a lot of press, most of it favorable. Really, big surprise. When you read the popular press, no one ever seems to go back and actually read the articles carefully. Whatever the authors say, they take at face value. And the study was simple and really, really, really flawed. Really. First of all, the study was funded by Big Honey. Now, I know that sounds like a New Orleans madame, but we know that the Honey Board of Israel has their hooks into every aspect of honey-related therapies and has corrupted medicine in the pursuit of good outcomes in clinical trials. You would never trust a study funded by a big pharmaceutical company, so why should you trust one that was funded by Big Honey? I am sure they are suppressing the many negative studies about honey and the side effects. That's information that Big Honey does not want you to know. In the trial, they enrolled children 1 to 5 years old with an uncomplicated upper respiratory infection. 
Children with asthma, pneumonia, sinusitis, and allergic rhinitis were excluded. There were a pre- and post-intervention questionnaire with five items that evaluated the child's cough and degree of sleep difficulty the night before and the night after the intervention. They used three types of honey. Eucalyptus, Labiatae honey, L-A-B-A-T-A-A, and citrus honey. The placebo was silin, S-I-L-A-N, a syrup made from dates. And they used that because it's brown and it's sweet like honey. The children received 10 grams, about 10 mils, of honey or placebo 30 minutes before going to sleep. The next day, the parents were called and they completed the post-intervention questionnaire, both before and after the kids received the honey or the placebo. They were asked the following. On a scale of one to five, how frequent was your child's coughing last night? How severe was your child's cough last night? How bothersome was last night's cough to your child? How much did last night's cough affect your child's ability to sleep? How much did last night's cough affect your parents' ability to sleep? So parents were asked about cough before enrollment, given the therapy, quiz the next day. Like veterinary medicine, the researchers relied on second-hand information as to efficacy, and man, is there ample opportunity for bias. I would say, and this is without data, that people do tend to play up symptoms at the beginning when they see their doctor, and they do tend to downplay their symptoms after the intervention. But the data was impressive, despite the fact it seemed like a minor intervention. Cough was better in all four groups, and honey outperformed placebo consistently. There were some big flaws in the study, as mentioned. First, of course, is they relied on the parent's impression of efficacy. Not reliable. There's been some interesting work with cough recognition software that, for example, can determine if a cough is likely due to pertussis. It would have been nice to have an objective measure of cough severity before and after, like a recorder in the children's room, which would have been sufficient. It is possible that they were seeing the natural history of cough, but I doubt it was a significant component in the response. Coughs do not get better that fast on their own. And think of the parents. Your kid is ill. Is it serious? You're hyper alert to your kids every cough and wheeze and are up all night. When my kids were young and had fevers, I would check them every 10 minutes for purpura. Meningococcal infection was always my worst infectious fear. Being up all night with the kid, you're tired. The next day, you find your kid has a trivial, self-limited illness, nothing to worry about. Reassured, the next night you are probably not going to pay as much attention to your child's cough, and you need and get a better night's sleep as a result. You will be paying less attention. Again, it would have been nice to have a baseline after the assessment, preferably with cough recognition software, then do an intervention, and then quiz the patient. So it should have been a three-day study. Intervention, wait a day, treatment, and, and see what happened. But the big question they did not ask and should have is what do you think your child received? Could the parents tell if the kid was getting honey or date extract? I expect that they could. 
The article says, quote, the parents, the physicians, and the study coordinator did not know the content of the preparation that was dispensed. End of quote. Now, I like to cook. Honey is a pain. It is thick and it sticks to everything, the measuring spoon, the cup. And you always end up with some honey on my finger trying to scrape it off the cup or the spoon or the spatula. And that finger usually goes into my mouth. The honey was, quote, packed in small containers of 10 grams each and marked with letters A, B, C, or D. The study preparations were distributed to the pediatric community clinics in blocks of four. Patients were admitted to administer 10 grams of their child's treatment product within 30 minutes of the child going to sleep. The parents were instructed that the preparation could be given undiluted, so kind of like squeezing it out of a toothpaste tube, I would imagine, or together with a non-caffeinated beverage. Yeah, I don't want to give your one-year-old a shot of espresso with the honey. So you are going to squirt something in your ill, fussy kid's mouth. And being honey or date extract, it would almost certainly have to be milked out of the container and in the process it would get on your fingers. And what parent would not smell it, taste it, or otherwise check it out? No one. There is no way that almost every patient, unless blind and unable to taste, would not know if their patient had received honey. The question is whether or not they would know if they had the date extract. Well, this isn't an O-ring in the ice water moment. But I went hunting and I found two different date extracts. It wasn't easy. Only one store in Portland sold the product and I had to get the other from Amazon. The date syrup I could find is darker than honey, looks more like molasses. It's not as viscous as honey and it tastes good. It tastes nothing like honey. It tastes like dates. It is almost, but not quite, entirely unlike honey. Thank you, Douglas Adams. No way did the products I found resemble honey in any way. It had too much datey goodness. To say that date syrup was a reasonable placebo for honey because it was sweet and brown is like saying my bicycle could be mistaken for my car because it has wheels and is red. As I read the paper, there is no way for the patients who have not known what their kids were receiving, honey or date extract, especially as the study was done in Israel, where, as I gather, the use of date syrup is common. There is the caveat that I do not know for sure if the products I sampled were equivalent to the ones in the study, but I strongly suspect it would be simple enough to know if your child received honey or date. As they note in the final paragraph, quote, the dropout rate was higher for children receiving citrus and eucalyptus honey. The exact reason for the higher dropout rate in these groups were not known. Because these types of honey are more aromatic, it is possible that some children disliked the honey taste. For a placebo to be a valid control, it has to be indistinguishable from the act of therapy. And after tasting some date syrup, I call horse feathers. The parents were almost certainly aware that their children were receiving honey or date extract. And that would render the conclusions of the paper fatally flawed. The key characteristic in most studies of implausible or impossible therapies that demonstrate benefit is that there is no placebo. People know what they are getting and respond accordingly. Bias central.
as in the study. Calling something a placebo does not make it so. Placebo. You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. So the paper did not demonstrate that honey is better than placebo. I suspect the parents knew very well what their children were taking and bias flooded in. Someone, I can't find the quote, suggested I thought placebo effect was the patients lying to themselves or to their doctors. Not quite. People will convince themselves that they are better when they are not and report the imagined improvements to their physicians. Humans are most expert at convincing themselves that what is not real is real. I think the archetype of this is the Penn and Teller show when they bent a gutter downspout and painted it to look like a giant magnet and the person telling the man in the white coat that, yeah, the arthritis is better with this magnet. The same effect is almost certainly occurring in this study. Does this study demonstrate that honey is better than date extract? Yeah. But in a study to compare honey and placebo, where patients almost certainly knew what they were getting. Like acupuncture, it is only effective when patient knows they are getting needles. Does this study demonstrate that when you do not have an adequate placebo and make it simple for someone to break the blinding that it renders a study probably worthless? Yeah. Does it suggest that neither the editors nor reviewers of pediatrics nor those reporting on the study actually took the time to think about the validity of the studies? Yeah. But then when it comes to alternative medicines, that is the new peer review. Peer. To appear partially or dimly. So when it comes to honey and cough, color me unimpressed. <laughs>